Holy crap, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Knife Nuts podcast. My name is Levon, and joining me are the three idiots who were on the last episode. Introduce yourselves, gentlemen. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Dave here. Hey, it's Jake again. What's up, guys? Brian here. Wow. All three. I can't believe, Brian, you kept your, your promise to be a host on the show permanently. Yeah, things change, you know, so... You I'm, not, just, I'm not too worried about it. You must not be that busy. I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what's what's on our agenda for today? All right. Well, our main topic is why knives, where I think we're going to poorly attempt to deconstruct what it is about knives that we love so much. And uh, we've got a lot of news this week, actually, since it was a busy week <laughs> in the knife world, to say the There's least. Definitely been a lot going on. Yes. It's like It's like we joined the podcast... Uh, world just in time for this sort of bullshit. Yeah, this is great. We just have an infinite amount of content now. It's perfect. So, should we start? What's everybody carrying today? Is anyone carrying a knife? I'm still wearing gym shorts. I haven't gone anywhere today, but obviously I have a knife in front of me. Um, and that's the Olamic Wayfarer. I have the highly polished blade. It's a drop point. I think it's a few years old. I got it from a, another Instagram member with the white G10 and the uh, blue c-tech and this wavy backspacer and a g10 clip it's like the only 3d clip that i've ever used that i genuinely love well one of them that's kind of funny because i expect a g10 to have no flex whatsoever but hey if they can pull it off good for them it's great it it holds up to everyday carry so far so good yeah it's not one i'll tell you it's not a knife that i that gets any particularly hard use considering it's got a high polished blade but you know white g10 white g10 it's like cars it stays cleaner better than black you wear velvet gloves when you play with it i I wear velvet gloves everywhere at any time i'm wearing velvet gloves nice uh, well, today I carried my newly acquired uh, Chris Reeve Incozy, the large one, with the carbon fiber scale from Knife Art, uh, and I expected it to not like it as much as I do, and I love it. But oh wait, I thought biased. you got the small Incozy. No, I would never get that the small one. That thing's a piece of garbage. I, I yeah, it, I've heard the ergonomics aren't great on it. No. But, but I like the large one, which yeah. is basically a Sebenza twenty-five, right? Yeah, but with some like very minor changes that. You have to really like look under the hood to see. Uh, the one thing that is noticeable is that it's more hollow ground than the 25, which is slightly more flat. It's just a smaller radius, I guess, to the hollow grinds. And uh, it uses the ceramic uh, ball detent locking system like the Omnumzan. And yeah, so far I really like it. I'm uh, um, quite happy with it. It's the first new Chris Reeve I bought in a while, and the packaging is excellent. It's like a Rolex. Uh, it comes with a box with way too much stuff in it. I was just thinking, you know, I hope we attract the listeners that are really into knives because I just almost fell asleep at how boring that was. Yo, don't you goddamn <laughs> say a word bad about Chris Reeves. <laughs> Today on Knife Nuts, we're going to be talking about lock bar pressure. Oh, do how you want me to talk to you? Too much? Do you want me to talk to you how about the changes in the washers? <laughs> also want- hardware color. To bronze or not to bronze? Hey, don't get me, me started. I'll talk about the changes to the washers from the 25 to the Incozy. Oh my God, kill me now. I have can, an erection just thinking about it. We, Jake, we can Jake. talk about the difference between the uh, the old Megalodon from Carson and the new version from... We Reese could Jim. actually. That's a fantastic knife, <laughs> but I did not carry it today. That I, I carry many, many days. Any day that I think I'm going to uh, be abusive to... Uh, snail trails on on uh 
bead blasted uh, titanium. But today was actually an Aaron Frederick uh, SMK custom day uh, out and about. And then back to this, this Rider PT for Jim Shorts because it's the Jim Shorts knife. How is Aaron Frederick stuff? He was a maker has been around for like a while, but has been always like way under the radar. Very under the radar, yeah. I, I almost talked to him about that exact topic, but didn't know how to uh, approach it without being too offensive because um, his stuff is really, um, objectively, it should be much more popular. And, you know, he's often right there alongside bigger names and, you know, works with John W. Smith, obviously, pretty frequently. Um, my introduction to that was uh, about as cool as it gets. I won the... Um, grand prize knife at the east coast custom knife show last year did i already tell this story is this just repetitious no i've never heard i'll tell it again i'll just tell it again anyway because it was the first potentially last time i ever won anything like that so um yeah so i followed up by actually uh buying one of his knives uh, a few months later and uh talked i had talked to him about the gift knife because it was a really unique collaboration that he did with uh, with john w smith and uh i I can't find a flaw or, uh, you know, anything I don't like about them. And for the price, I think his, his, uh, slightly tactical line is really neat. It's, um, you know, I, I don't think any of us have found anything that we didn't like about it. So yeah, they're very, they're very cool. They're, they're very, all, very hand, cool. they're all handmade Jake, right? That's uh... they are, they are. And th- this one is, uh, you know, zirconium and, a <laughs> really, I mean, hand fitted and handmade everything. And, uh, just, completely under the radar just a really neat neat uh neat knife for not getting any recognition but yeah yeah they're they're beautiful that's all right yeah. i was just gonna say they are beautiful he has that's... some really wacky designs though some of like yeah. the ones for, yeah like, some of them are prying some of them are just flat out strange this is one of the very uh, traditionally shaped uh knives the smk if uh if you want to google image search that one we will at some point. Now, Brian, I know you didn't carry anything today since you're basically drowned in knives every day of the week. But what's going on in the shop today? You know, just uh, getting back to finishing up these last orders. I'm uh, trying to get my act together here so I can start getting some stuff ready for Blade. And you just, uh, you're starting on the second batch of mini typhoons right now? Um, no, I'm finishing up with the with the first batch. So the first I have, batch. I have maybe 20 more to go and um then i'll be on to getting the next batch going but that'll be a little while yeah because i still have to make blades and mm, and you've got something you trade and you know it's a while and you've got something special coming along soon right oh yeah yeah so uh, you may you already te- teased it on instagram right the dagger yep yep i showed a picture of it on uh at least a picture of one of the blades on uh on instagram it's uh i'm gonna make two i'm bringing two down to blade with me and uh One's going to be a tactical version, and the other's going to be a little bit fancier version. So oh, they should be, should be pretty cool. Any other details you can talk about? Um, I, I noticed the grind was a little different than what you normally do. Well, on the tactical one, I did a, a flat grind. But mm-hmm. on the on the fancier one, um, the one with the Demosteel, I did a hollow grind. But it's actually two different radiuses in that hollow grind. So it comes pretty steep once it comes up to the fuller in the middle. It's kind of cool. It gives it a nice profile. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks really dramatic. Uh, in person, it's it's insane. Um, well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that, and I'm sure the guys are too. I'm looking forward to get on something different. It's uh, <laughs> That's kind of why I did this. I just 
you know, making the same knife over and over for people, I never have a chance to change things up. So it's, it's, um, and when I do, then people, you know, get upset that, that they didn't get in when that happened. And, you know, so it's easier just to come up with something different that I'm only going to make a few of that I can kind of explore a little bit, you know, don't have to justify making money on it per se. Right. I can see how they can get a little monotonous making purple knife after purple knife. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> purple knives everywhere. I, I would, you don't hear me complaining. Prince personally. is dead, guys. He died. I'm sorry. But his memory lives on in every purple knife. The thing is that you look at the t- this color spectrum of titanium, there's only so many colors you can do that really work. Um, so they try, they, they're going for something different. Unfortunately, everybody went for the same thing. And, uh, you know, six months or a year from now when they're all trying to get rid of their knives, there's going to be, you know, 15 purple knives on the market. Yeah, not to make the same podcast twice, but you know what color always works? Gray. Gray works. I agree. You agree? I agree. (laughs) (laughs) All right, send the podcast there. We're done. And And good good night you guys. Uh, Brian actually did have one question uh, before we get too far. So are the hollow grinds, are those done by hand or CNC? No, they're done on my machine. Okay. Is that harder to do than flat grinding with a CNC? Because I feel like a no. lot of production companies avoid hollow grinds for reasons unknown to me. Um, and I assume it's mean, more difficult. It, it makes things harder to hold, you know. Um, you mean on, in it, the it, 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 it really depends on how you, It really depends on how you go about it. You know, um, if you're 3Ding the blade, it doesn't make a difference. What I can don't even have to do a hollow. I can make it. A profile, you know, I can make it a shape that gets thinner and then fatter in a different section if you want, and 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 morphs to a nether grind. You know, I, you can do whatever you want as long as you can draw it, but that's a slow process to 3D machine blades like that. Okay. okay. So to, 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 to stand them up on the side and actually use, you know, the side of an end mill, then you'd need a, a hollow shaped end mill. To, to get that grind mm-hmm. so okay. and they're typically you know you know you can't really buy them off the shelf you have them custom made and then it starts running to you know to price mm-hmm. all right well yeah. thanks i always wanted to know that i'm sure a lot of people did yeah we gotta exploit <laughs> brian while we have him yeah there's so many questions would you have Al- alfred lyon make that custom uh mill if you were to go that route uh <laughs> Um, wow. could be, you, you know, with that, you're probably going to go with whoever has the cheapest price. It would not be him. <laughs> I thought I could make it more boring, but, uh, no, he was unfazed. So go on. You, you lost me with that reference. I assume it's a CNC or the, mill mill manufacturer. There are custom knife makers and there are custom end mill makers mm. and there are custom child molesters is a little bit of something for everyone out there good god welcome to the pedantic hour well this is going (laughs) downhill fast yeah we should move on yeah anyway on to the news so this week and i guess it's been two weeks now there's been a lot of drama surrounding a certain uh uh, knife company owner slash maker um dave do you want to summarize the past two weeks yeah sure so um said custom knife maker slash company owner is anthony marfione if you couldn't guess already it's been everywhere uh and really what this started is because of three different lawsuits that he is allegedly involved with allegedly i'm gonna use that word a lot 
we're going to use that word a lot. So um, the first one, which I will pat myself on the back a little bit <laughs> for accidentally finding it, is the one against Tony Scalambrini, uh, the proprietor of Everyday Commentary. He made this really popular post uh, explaining the history of the 077, uh, and then the Microtech Matrix, and then uh, the Kershaw Natrix, with which, which they're going to be releasing in the future. So Tony made that post, and he said some certain things allegedly uh, about Marfion's character or things that he allegedly may have done, and then Kershaw slash Kai may have allegedly shared said post, uh, so they are also being sued. So Tony is being sued for defamation, um, Kai USA is being sued, and their social media manager is also being sued for the same thing, for defamation. And then the third one, which we have the least information about, is that uh, Tony is allegedly suing his eldest son, Anthony G. Marfione, and his daughter-in-law, I believe her name is Jessica, um, for something we don't know, because nobody's found that one out yet. But allegedly, he's also suing those two. Uh, those guys uh, own uh, Heretic Knives, right? Yep, that's Isn't correct. That kind of... uh, that's Anthony Sr.'s, as opposed to his other son, Sean. I had um, heard about him, you know, and this alleged lawsuit uh, involving <laughs> his son and daughter, daughter-in-law. Um it just struck me as some kind of weird, tough love thing, but maybe it's not. Maybe there's something else going on there. Um, that's one I don't really want to touch with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, I don't so. want to get involved in family drama. I think I can guess what the suit is about, and I assume yeah. it has something to do with Heretic Knives designs, but that's as yeah. far as I'll go. Mm. Got to protect that intellectual property, right? <laughs> Even from your own kids? Anyway, <laughs> we digress. Oh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're not getting sued. Next okay. week we'll be talking about his fourth suit, which will be yes. us. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, oh, Dave man. isn't my real name. So anyway, oh, back to you the... didn't tell me we were doing that. Oh God. <laughs> back... no, Brian, Brian will be telling us about his suit against his daughter for annoying him, <laughs> <laughs> and and her countersuit for for sneaking Carolina Reapers into her breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Only I found that funny. Yeah, actually, I'm going to bring a lawsuit against LeVon and Jake for all these inside jokes that I don't get on Instagram. We're supposed to look like a cohesive force here, and I have no idea what the so, fuck you guys are doing with the all, slime. It's all there. You just have to read between the lines. One day he posted a knife. There was a Carolina Reaper next to the knife. A Carolina um, Reaper is the world's hottest pepper, for those of you who guys who don't aren't in the pepper now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the Carolina Reaper is the world's hottest pepper. Pepper and podcast. Jake grew a few of them. Uh, allegedly. Allegedly, the world's... <laughs> no, actually, officially. Isn't it official? Yeah, it is. Yeah, there you go. So, um, I don't know. We, we were just trying to uh, get Brian to eat one of these, and Brian claims he will actually f- die if he eats one. So, we were questioning his manhood. You know, uh, unfortunately, I have a family I got to take care of, and this it could literally put me in the hospital. No, I'm serious. Right now, I have like some. You guys got to remember, I'm an old bastard. God, here we go. I, I have like I have a hernia going on now. Where yeah. if I start coughing, it's like I'm gonna throw up and blood, and it, it's just it's a mess. Why are you coughing so much? I don't know. And everything got allergies. Smart. Allergies. Allergies. There you go. Allergies. That'll do it. Um, I digress. The pepper thing was cool, but. Uh, there's a lot I of. I wanted to. My wife, my wife basically laid the, down the law and wouldn't let me do it. Honestly, Brian, I don't blame you. It's kind of a nightmare. 
but you do feel like you've accomplished something once you've once you've eaten one. It's kind of strange. Um, but back to the the matter at hand, um, and the biggest controversy with with Marfione uh, lies with the treatment of the uh, the Ker- the Kershaw ZT triple seven. If I can talk about that, the triple seven with the herringbone Damascus and that Vanek seventy five with the carbon fiber handle. When was that? Like, when did they show that at Blade Show? Was that 2012? Something like that. 2011, maybe. So it was a long time ago. And to this day, I actually owned one of those. To this day, I think it's one of the most beautiful knives, most beautifully built knives I've ever owned. Uh, Jake, you you know, you were, you you had a lot of time with that knife as well. Sure. And, and, I, and the, the other... Uh, Stone washed and uh, DLC versions. We we owned all three of them. Yeah, that between the two point. of us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you owned a cup. You owned a, a DLC and a stone washed, right? Yes, yeah, so I think I had one of each. Now I, I, I remember the the DLC. So let's go with that one. Serial number two seventy one. If you're out there. Uh yeah, and I ha- I can't remember anybody. the. <laughs> I can't remember the, the the serial numbers of any of them. But at one point, I had all three. Uh, only missing the blackwashed one, which was a German exclusive. And I was that douchebag that posted, you know, look, I've got three triple sevens in my hand. Look at how cool I am. Yeah, but they were awesome. They were awesome knives. I love them. But my point is, is that, you know who also makes ridiculously good knives? Tony Marfion. I'm going to put that out there. Like, Mar- Marfion custom knives, every one I've had, it's been flawless. The Annex, I've had two Annexes. They're fantastic. Like, really beautifully made pieces of artwork. Um, remember, Jake, do you remember that one with the, the high-polished blade and the meteorite in mm-hmm. Insanity. I cannot take anything away from this guy as... This is the craziest thing to me. It's not like he can't design a knife, right? It's not like he can't make amazing stuff. I feel like he should just let his work speak for itself. Now, besides that, the one that the thing that was that caused the controversy, the model that caused the controversy, was the the Matrix, which was literally identical to the uh, the Triple Seven in many ways. But the weird part is that too was a freaking awesome knife. So it's not like we got like a crappy ripoff of a Triple Seven, you know. Mm-hmm. So that makes this whole thing really crazy to me because you had. You know, obviously, two approaches to this to a same design, and I'm not even going to get started on where that design originated or try to take any sides in this. But at the end of the day, you have a an incredibly talented uh, designer and maker that I think went a little too far, you know, with with that design, and and it blew up in his face. That's the way I see see most of that. It blew up for sure because I, if you check the, I think it was the Knife News Facebook post, they had like employees dropping some really crazy mm-hmm. stuff in the comment section, and they were not distancing themselves. And then allegedly, his wife is also posting some like wildly inappropriate things for the owners of businesses to be doing yeah. when they're trying to do damage control. So I mean, it was yeah. handled unbelievably poorly. But like everybody already knew about this controversy, so it it, it just goes to show that. Uh, like everything it's like a 15 minute news cycle Um, people were pissed when the matrix first came out and then that kind of gradually subsided and now the lawsuit thing came so people will be pissed again for a small amount of time but people's memories are very short when it comes to these things yeah and and knife knife enthusiasts i have to say are pretty fickle as a bunch Um, you know i I mean 
You're genuine, all fucking nuts. Genuine. Yeah, we're definitely. <laughs> Brian, what, what what do you have to say about things like that? As you, someone you who's know, been knocked off, actually. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, this is your time. I love come. I love all my customers. I would say nothing bad about them. No, not at all. No, but you have you've had your design. Uh, you know. I mean, it wasn't as maybe it's not as malicious. Oh, by stealing the uh, by the design, yeah. then you mean? Sure. Yeah, but see, the thing is with that. First off, we don't know what deals were made, who was involved in what when that when those two got involved with that knife. You know, um, myself, it sucks. You know, when you see somebody take your blatantly take your design. You know, mm-hmm. like you saw the Chinese copied mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they even put my name. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're kidding me. You know, that's it's a slap in the face. One thing I should bring up: Liang Ma was on a Modern Neanderthal podcast the last episode for them, so like two weeks ago. Uh, shout out to them. But mm. he brought up the point that a lot of these Chinese factories are not going out and finding these knives and copying them. That someone is providing them with the design or f- pictures of the knife or something for them to copy. So that uh, really muddies the water. So I wonder who is doing that. Like who's the one ordering I don't these know, copies? But someone th- who works for the company. <laughs> well, they're not really companies. They're like sh- independent shops. Either way, it's bullshit. Somebody yeah. took the knife and ma- literally it looks almost identical. I could tell right away, but it looks almost, I, I would bet you could probably almost swap components with mine. That's how close it is. You know, okay. I'll, I'll buy um, one. We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> And um, it, it's that's Chinese culture, though. I hate to say it. It's that's I mean, their government does it their people. It's that's what they do. They don't give a fuck about anybody's IP. Yeah, they, they definitely. I mean, to bring it, make it less racist. Um, <laughs> that wasn't racist. That's, that's... <laughs> no, I know. It. I understand what you're saying. Uh, there is no copyright law in China. So, you know, everything is up for grabs for the most part. Um, everything their military does it you know I mean everything they do is just they have no good thoughts of their own everything they do they steal from other people now they, it's have, a, they have a fucking billion people get your act together and start putting your heads and think Christ oh my god I'm sure we got someone just got lit, let out a standing ovation that was one of our listeners and everyone else is just like oh my god what is happening you know how I feel about you know you know how I feel about that whole situation. No, I you understand. That, that's why I don't have. I'll. I won't have a mid-tech made from China. I won't go to China to have parts made. It's bullshit. If I'm going to have something made, or I'm going to do something, it's going to be in this country with our with our people, with our money, with our with everything. It's. Um, I'm. That's bullshit. Well, I can't say I don't agree with you, but that brings up a really great point for our next talking topic. We'll get back to Marfione, maybe. Um, I feel like we've said enough. <laughs> Um, but I want to talk a little bit about what I saw on Mastrop uh, this past week. So we now have, if, if, for those of you that don't know, Mastrop is a group by uh, website that specializes in a bunch of different categories of, of, you know, technology, EDC gear. They now have a separate uh, uh, category for knives specifically, and it's just gotten a lot of of traction in the past, you know, past year or so, and. Something interesting popped up. Um, it was a a product by a design by Ferrum Forge, and uh, uh, Dave, do you remember what it was called? Yeah, it's the Falcon. Yeah, it was called the Ferrum Forge Falcon, and they're introducing this knife as a mass drop exclusive. Um, and I'm looking, how the heck is Ferrum Forge doing this? I, and I'm I'm looking through the stuff, and they're offering it for a hundred and twenty four dollars, and 
my head exploded. And then I realized that Kaiser Knives is actually manufacturing. Yeah, it's Wee Knives that's making it. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Wee Knives that is actually making it for them. Um, which actually boggles my mind even further, but I'll digress from that. Um, so what they're doing is an American knife manufacturer is teaming up with a with a uh, a third-party dealer and having a design made overseas and sold through that dealer. Um, I'm curious as to how that deal went down. And does that, what does that do for the products that, you know, Ferrum Forge already makes? What does it say about them? Does it cheapen their brand? Um, you know, what other, what things happen because, what, what's going to happen because of all of this is basically where I'm saying. Yeah, I uh, I think it was an interesting move. So they've done group buys with custom makers before, like Jesse Jarrah's, but sure. you know, his own customs. It's his uh, own stuff. Yeah, but yeah, I certainly think it's an interesting move because um, Farm Forge's start at like five $600, and objectively the materials you're getting are sometimes a little bit better. You'll Maybe you'll get M390, but the blade steel and the titanium handles and stuff is pretty similar to what they put out here. So I, I don't know. It'll certainly be interesting to see how much of their sales will be cannibalized or what uh, people are going to expect from them in the future if they can put out a $125 version of one of their knives, whereas they have other you know three-inch knives that are $600. Let me ask you a question, Dave, because I know you own a few uh, knives from this company, or is it one? I'm not sure. I own three. How much is your, how much is your average wee, wee knife? Uh, they used to be at matte pricing, but now they're sort of off of it they're like 250 dollars so they're up there right so how much markup is in those things if you can sell one of these designs for 124 dollars yeah that's what this really made me think about because the the markup has to be massive if they're still profitable at 125 bucks although they do have like something like 1100 orders now because uh bro science life which is a, a really popular youtube channel um was paid to do a sort of native advertising for Mass Drop for this knife. Oh, my God. Yeah, the video came out today, and uh, Bro Science has, like, probably a million and a half, two million subscribers, so that's a huge audience they're reaching now. So that's another interesting thing. So the the, the thing to me is is that, you know, I can't say anything about the quality of these knives made overseas. Anything that we Knives makes, Kaiser, Riot, all of that stuff is made beautifully it really is made beautifully now the thing to me was that the the the, the benefit of having stuff manufactured overseas was the value to money uh you know category of stuff and i feel like that's diminishing very slightly now because or not slightly heavily because now you, you I you're hard pressed to find any one of these knives. Like I was just looking on Blade HQ, like Reich knives are you know between three fifty and five fifty. Um, there are you know Riots going for five hundred and fifty dollars, and I've seen some with some exotic materials close to a thousand bucks. It's like where is where is that line drawn? You know, I, I, when is ZT the zero tolerance the value proposition in all of this? Now I have to say I think Kaiser still makes some some great knives uh, for reasonable amounts of money. I think they're one of the only companies that really stuck to the value proposition. Yeah. Any of you guys have anything to say about this? I would just say it it the that model may not have been uh, the original intention, but it's obviously the way that it's going, uh, and that's how capitalism works. Is if if there's any room 
it, you know, for, for anything, it, it, it's going to be filled. <laughs> um, so I think it's just a product of what this, this market will allow. And clearly it's allowing it to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's providing people such incredibly high quality knives, like, you know, co- comparable to what customs, you know, from years past were like, but now are production knives. And uh, people just want new designs, and the American companies can't come out with them as fast as apparently some of these Chinese companies that are making slightly smaller runs. You know, ZT probably makes like 10,000 of each model, whereas uh, Wii Knives or Riot can make 1,000, uh, but put them out much quicker. So that's that's what the, the knife community wants right now. They just want a lot of knives all the time. I guess that's true. Um, Brian, have you ever been approached by uh, sites like Massdrop or or uh, overseas manufacturers for for runs of like the typhoon or something like that yeah just about all of them at this point i um and i thought about it here and there i'm not you know so much going overseas but just working with anybody and it just really never it just didn't seem profitable enough to take away from my business and dilute what i do i just never i never really saw the money there to do something like that. You know, this is what I plan on doing for a long time. And I want, I want it to be me. I want to be, I want to be be in control of your stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, not that I wouldn't have any control even the other way. It just, I don't know. It's it, it, to me, it just doesn't really make sense yet. You know, maybe I, and I don't claim I'm doing it right. You know, obviously uh, there's guys that are doing, you know, much better than, than I am. I just, uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to learn it as I go, and to me, it just doesn't seem to make sense, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of our buddies uh, and, uh, and uh, a, f- a fellow maker of yours, uh, Brian, uh, John Gray. Sasquatch. So, oh, yeah. I, I mean, he, he will respond to that. I feel like I could hear his <laughs> – he's in his shop right now working on something, and his ears just went up. Like, he's now like, – <laughs> he now knows we're talking Ooh. about him. Um, John makes some amazing stuff. Um, and just recently, that was my first, like uh, – my first firsthand experience with uh, a friend who had, you know, knives produced overseas. Um, so he he had teamed up with Kaiser, and they built uh, a model of his uh, slut called the SLT, and a model of his thuck, which they called the Gray's Pocket Brute. So it's GPB one, um, and I I was amazed at them. Honestly, they. I don't think John could put something together with that level of precision. You know, um, John doesn't use a lot of machines. He has some parts machined for him, but and most of his stuff is done by hand. And Brian, your stuff, I mean, is so, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't see the point for something that you make um, being made by. Yeah. It's, you know, somebody who makes something by hand, I can maybe see the appeal to it. Um, but you know, they, you're going to be using machinery the same way I am. It's just somebody else making the design. It's just, it, it doesn't make sense for me at this point. That makes sense. And which is interesting because I feel like Ferrum Forge has a similar business or at least produces knives similar, similarly to the way you do. Right. You know, I, that's, that, that's the thing that uh, made this sort of a unique comparison. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. If after if you know if they do real well, I'll apologize to the billion Chinamen I insulted, and then oh, uh, we'll see if we can get something going. <laughs> hey, it's a possibility. <laughs> um, maybe I'll maybe I'll pick up one of those Ferrum Forge knives, and we'll see how. I, I think it's worth someone getting one. Just check yeah, them out. I mean, I have three three Wii knives, but I have one budget one and two of the 
you know, normal line. And I've been happy with all of them, but yeah. I owned a Ferrum Forge, and a real Ferrum Forge, and you actually bought it from yeah, me. Yeah, I, I owned it. I was going to say, I owned the same one as well. <laughs> Do you still have it? No, I sold it to uh, some guy in, like, the Netherlands, I believe. I see how it is. No, It's just, you know, I liked it, but nothing about it felt like it was $600 to me. I mean, it has flat scales. Uh, I'm trying to think if they've done 3D, like, you know, contoured titanium scales on any of their knives and it doesn't really come to mind but i haven't memorized their lineup but you know it just didn't it didn't feel like a 600 hundred dollar knife to me well let it be known that i did not sell it to you for 600 dollars. no and i would not have paid more than i bought it off of you from well, there you go so um, that's, you know what was, that's kind of the problem you know what's weird about that knife like i'm not like a big fan to talk about like oh this this flipper doesn't have enough jimping on it and uh no you but know, you're right uh, that that it would just slide. My finger would just slide off that thing, and it would actually hurt. Yes, it was it was very painful, and it has a really strong detent and like a tiny flipper that was very painful to use. I, and I a, wasn't... Yeah, and a very tiny pivot. I feel like the pivot was really tiny. Oh, it's on so little. Too. It's it, I don't know. It's like a needle dick. I don't get it. Like why? Why do they have these extraordinarily thin pivots? Other than those that those criticisms, though, it was a it was a nice. I mean, it was, it was a, a very nice execution of the whole back rolling detent, yeah. which previously had never really impressed oh, yeah. me. That it's like breaking off a pen in the detent slot. Yeah, <laughs> does yeah. that make sense? You know I, what I'm talking about? Like you yeah. cut the top the tip off like a like a. <laughs> yeah, it looks a like a rollerball pen. pen. And you shove it into the into the lock bar, and behold, the rolling detent. It's a rollerball pen. Yeah, someone mean, broke off in the. The idea bar. behind it is is cool. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I actually came up with something that's similar, but I just think a lot thinner profile. The bed, the thing I don't like about his design is it's such, you know, you need such a thick frame for it to really work right. Or, you know, or that you have the screw sticking up in the middle of the frame there. Jake, you did a, you did a little proof of concept once, didn't you? Didn't you build a prototype? Yeah, a couple actually. I, uh, for my uh, proof of concept, I used a rolling detent. Uh, actually, I, contacted Jake Hoback first and he was very nice to work with and very open about uh, giving me his source so as it turned out at least back then so we're going back three years now I want to say oh at least <laughs> um, at least that part was just a, a generic machine part um, so it wasn't knife specific it wasn't manufactured for him by a machine shop or anything like that it was you know just go to this um, you know big uh, you know, parts store, a uh, hardware store, basically online and, uh, and order them in whatever size and, uh, color variety that you need. So I ordered, uh, you know, five or 10 in different sizes, found them to be like Brian was just saying, most of them are so big. Uh, the scale is just different than your average, uh, average size knife. So you either need really thick scales or something to that effect. But, did you have um, to take the, did you have to take the ink wells out of the pens before you, uh, no, you, no, them? you just, you just drain the ink. No, and that's, they're, that's they're ready to use. That's brilliant. Alvon, Cause then it's self lubricating. Cause the ink just rolls out onto the <laughs> detent ball. And then you never Patent have to lube pending. it. Patent pending. Everyone. Oh shit. So the, but the highlight of that was for me, was I, I ended up not even using that on my, uh, because my, my, design turned into more of a liner lock than a frame lock. But I did uh, install one into uh, a Strider SMF and it worked out very nicely. So I found, uh, you know, the the sixth or eighth one that I had uh, ordered in, you know, different part numbers, I was able to grind down small enough and then just slot it and turn it into uh, something that would fit. And, and it did work nicely and it, it had a real nice 
snap to it. It sounded different and felt different than an, an, an SMF. So I think for no other reason it was useful in that application just because uh, it was different. There, are, to to give you guys some background on this, uh, Jake and I have uh, we're we've been good friends for a very long time, and a lot of if we have some free time we spend together. Sometimes we'll uh, we we do a thing called whiskey pickle knife. If you guys have seen that hashtag, this is what that means. So back in 2012, we actually, uh, you know, when we started getting, I guess it was 2012, maybe 2011, started getting into knives. Um, we were I was, also. I was still fabricating at the time. I think that might be an important, uh, <laughs> important bit of uh, detail information. I still had a, st I still had the shop when we started doing this. Oh right, right, yeah, so yeah. I had, oh, yeah, yeah. So I had. Uh, you know, a small machine shop and uh, et cetera at, at my disposal. And I'd been fabricating for many years. So when that ended was actually kind of when Whis Whiskey Pickle Knife started. And I think it was my natural outlet, obviously. So sorry to interrupt. Continue. <laughs> oh, but the, the whiskey part is just our love of Jameson and pickle juice. So if, in case you guys have never had, if you guys want to do an amazing shot, it's called a pickleback. You do a shot of Jameson followed by a shot of like, uh, you know, uh, kosher dill pickle pickle juice and it is amazing. <laughs> it's so good. I'm telling you. If you I haven't tried that, do you, so you've had it, Dave. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's incredible. And, and it got to a point where I love the combo so much. It's like you know, skip the shots. Just give me like the bottle of Jameson and the jar of pickles, and we'll I'll sip from one and eat from the other. Why don't you <laughs> marinate the pickles in the Jameson and just eat the pickles? You you could you, do that. I mean, I'm yeah. sure that that happened more than once. Either way, it's got to give you the shits the next day. You'd be, uh, you know, the Jameson does have a bit of a wrath. Although that doesn't, it's not really news for me. Lately, everything has irritated my stomach. So, you know, too much Jameson will do that to you. But either way, um, we ended up, you know, you know, messing with knives, modifying stuff, and that kind of like. It was crazy. Like, I mean, we had uh, uh, something called a chinderer, which was like, a, <laughs> which I was like, a, like a, what'd you call him? A chinderer. It was a fake hinderer. And it was, uh, we, Jake beat the living hell out of that. We would, you know, take titanium scales off of like a spider co and then hit it with the torch. And that's how you like learn how stuff worked. Uh, it was an interesting time, but that's how, but that's how the whiskey pickle knife thing started and that's what a lot of people have been asking me recently so it's time mm -hmm. to get that addressed yeah there was there was a brief period where uh, it accidentally took a more serious route and people were sending knives for modification and as smart as it would have been to approach that differently <laughs> um, it was it was just such a it, it was driven so much more by fun than anything else um, you know we never we never changed the name or uh, explained the name or anything it was really just a just a goof and yeah. and still is to this day although occasionally we're dealing with makers and you know doing things that are a little bit more uh, productive it's never it's never that productive let's be honest <laughs> with ourselves you know i feel like we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for any of that though i really have to say that of course oh yeah so Dave, anything else on the uh, on the agenda as far as news? Uh, I had some other things, but you know, if we want to move on to the main topic, we could do that. But I had some other brief things. Go, brief, go for brief it. Us. Okay, so I, I kind of picked these two stories because I think they show the power of influencers. I hate that term, but I'm not sure there's a better one in the knife community because 
whether we like it or not, knives are actually really, the knife community is actually really small and the knife industry in general is pretty small, even though occasionally when it suits people, they like to act like it's huge. Um, it really isn't. So the first story is that Spyderco changed its warranty policies about disassembling knives. Um, they had some really unclear language previously about whether you could disassemble your knife or whether disassembling it void the warranty or whether if you damaged it during disassembly, it voided the warranty. So no one knew, uh, and that was a big problem for years. And then they started doing red Loctite, which not a great idea. And a lot of people were damaging their knives. Everyone was pissed. The Apostle P made a big video about it. And oh God, yeah, let's not get into Sorry. that. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's my reaction too. <laughs> and Nick Shabazz also made a video about this. Oh, this is Nick Shabazz here for your PM two. Yeah, we're going to have you do an entire episode in that voice. <laughs> but so very coincidentally, you might say, Spider-Co changed its warranty policy. And the Spider-Co fanboys want to say it's totally unrelated and that, like, no one person is big enough to have that kind of influence. But, like, what what a coincidence then that it happened right after they made those videos. So whether we like it or not, one or two people can cause, uh, you know, huge shifts in the knife industry. And then the other story that's the counter to this, where it's possibly not going to go well, is there's this uh, YouTube channel for this Australian guy. I think his name is Cedric Ada, A-D-A. And he has some videos where he does some J. Davis-esque cut tests on rope with ZTs, with some ZTs, uh, with the S35VN, and he's claiming that the heat treat is terrible, and that they lose edges super quickly, and I'm just having, like, PTSD flashbacks to when J. Davis did this with the LMAX, and now, literally every time you Google LMAX and zero tolerance, the first result will always be something about their heat treat wasn't right and i don't think that was really ever objectively proven like they offered to take the knives back from him and send them out for testing same thing with chris reeve and then he uh stole a bunch of people's money and disappeared before they could ever be tested so this is the same this is the same guy that chris reeve uh yeah uh, had a fracas with correct <laughs> yeah mm, but anyway it's just showing that one person, if they have the platform that enables them, can do very good or very bad things for the knife community, and I think it is a little ridiculous for us to pretend like that does not happen and that we're bigger than the fact that one person can really change things. So here, so that brings up a great point. So then, looking back at the whole Marfione thing, we don't know the whole story, right? Maybe um, there's some just maybe there's some justification, and maybe maybe this this small ooh. community news news travels fast. <laughs> mm, I wouldn't say that. He released a press release that was incredibly damaging about allegedly. Uh, no, no, he released the press release, so we actually don't have to say allegedly because oh my it was God, released from Marfione. Okay, allegedly he released a press release in which he alleges that someone from Kershaw or Kai insulted him at Blade and claimed they were going to make an OTF that was going to put him out of business. And then to show them, he allegedly made the Matrix before they could get the 077 out. You can read this press release. It's on Knife News. It was issued by Microtech. I, rem I remember that. Yeah. yeah so I, I wouldn't say we don't know exactly what's going on there just because Shut up, that Dave. was inside. Uh, allegedly. Shut up. Allegedly. I'm done. All right, good. Oh my God, we're not going to make it to episode three. Although we were lucky to get to episode two. Thank you, everyone. You know, just just a big thanks. If someone has an allegedly count, put it put it out there. You're gonna. You're, <laughs> yeah, you got a drink every time you hear us say that. <laughs> a pickleback shot every single time. Incredible. And then you too can be a part of whiskey pickle knife. Oh my God, the game. That's how we monetize. We release the whiskey pickle knife game. Can we put that in the? We can put that in description, right? The rules to the whiskey pickle knife game. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. 
Very Done. good idea. Excellent. Those of you who listen at work, you know, too bad. <laughs> or, you know, maybe you run your own business like Brian. And you can partake in certain things. Yes, we, we are encouraging you to operate heavy machinery while under the influence of substances. <laughs> you heard it first. Oh, God. No, this isn't going to last. No, we should, um, we should probably transition to the main topic. So, so the main topic we've already we've already touched on a little bit, and that's a question that a lot of us get in our everyday lives. And it's you know this is gonna this is gonna rhyme it, but it's why knives, you know, everyday lives, why knives. Well done. Edit. Is there an edit button on this thing? Uh, there's, we'll, there's. We'll fix it in just, post. Just, yeah, fix it in <laughs> post. That's great. In broadcasting, there are buttons all over the studio where if someone curses by accident anyone has the power to jump in and uh <laughs> and delete that from the broadcast interesting i think i think our audience needs that sometimes when we uh pontificate maybe if Continue. we do a, li- a live uh, a live version of this at some point yeah uh but yeah the question that we normally get uh, and jake we talk about this all the time it's, oh it's yeah why knives it's like why why do you end up loving them why do you end up hating them why do you end up thinking about them? Why do you why post do you them? End- why do you post them on your personal Instagram alongside all the pictures of your children and your <laughs> grandparents meeting their grandchildren for the first time? Yeah. So I'm single, so I had to make a personal Instagram account because I feel like potential suitors do not want to see a bunch of fucking knives. So I had to make a second Instagram for that exact reason. It's funny. I they used don't. to think that way, and then I said to myself, you know, if. If, if, if some girl if, she ain't into it, if she's not in a knife, it's not worth my time. No, you have to ease it into her, like the knife when you stab her to death with it. <laughs> Whoa, there. It yeah, wow. that might scare him. God, this is already getting terrible. Anyway, wh- but why knives? Like, Jake, why don't you tell us yeah. what got you into knives first? Because you got me into them, so. Yeah, this is, uh, and for me, it's been especially tough because I've had to answer this question so many times uh, because of the way that you know my collecting sort of uh, picked up out of nowhere and uh, well maybe out of nowhere is the wrong wrong term but it picked up slowly in such a way that pe- you know people who I hadn't spoken to in a little while when I saw them in person would be like what what is going on with the knives and I've had to answer this question so many times I should have some kind of answer and I'm I'm absolutely embarrassed to say that I have it's a different answer every time. It depends on who's asking, I guess. I always try to find something to relate it to, and I always find myself ending with the the term functional art, which I said, I think, probably in the first first episode. And so if it's a girl, I say, how many pairs of shoes do you have? How many purses do you have? How many different shades of red do you have in you know makeup or whatever? Uh, and it's really no different. Um, although I don't believe that <laughs> entirely, that it's no different, but... You know, I just try to find something uh, to that the person can relate to and slide it right in there under the radar. Um, but to answer your question specifically, um, uh, I had used knives for just like any normal person with a little bit of an outdoor tendency uh, or, you know, someone that works with their hands or whatever. I'd always used knives that um, left me so sad when they were dull and um, <laughs> I didn't know how to <laughs> sharpen knives. And the one time I ended up with a knife that didn't lose its edge and I used it for another month and it didn't lose its edge and I used it for another month. And so it was my first American, excuse me, my first American made knife. turns out it was a Kershaw needs work with Sandvik steel. And the fact that it didn't lose its edge made me just 
interested to find out why, uh, you know, what property of metallurgy and of uh, the um, hardening process and the geometry, you know, made it so that it actually worked instead of uh, like every other, uh, you know, razor blade or pocket knife I'd ever had that just got dull instantly and was uh, completely useless. Uh, and just, you know, something <laughs> like, a, like a kid, you know, um, uh, I, don't, I don't know, finding out that, that there's this complicated process, you know, on the molecular level that makes steel behave a certain way and different ratios of different ingredients. And then, you know, certain critical temperatures and tempering, all that stuff combined with the, then the maker has to manipulate it in such a way that the shape works for, you know, cutting, the geometry works for cutting and the uh, mechanics of the uh, folding knife. It's sturdy when open and all, all those things hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, that I just had never considered before. So uh, I became a collector. I went from no interest to collector in about 30 seconds. I mean, that uh, sounds about right. Yeah. I remember when you were, you're, you always dabbled in them and, and I always liked knives, you know, I was, mm -hmm. I always enjoyed them, but never really saw them as more than a, uh, a convenient tool to have on you like pocket knives in general. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until you gave me that bench made mini grip, like mm -hmm. probably in oh, 2010. Um, and I, I carried that for, for years and I loved it before that I had like the spring assisted buck knife. And I carried that all the time. But for me, uh, it you know, we, Jake and I have always shared hobbies to a certain extent. Um, but I was very much into uh, watches. So I, I love watches. I love technology. I love things that require, you know, that are highly detailed, mechanical. I love cars. You know, it all ties into that sort of thing. And the idea of having, you know, you know in my everyday life, I work for a technology company. And I see... You know these, you know smartphones, computers, tablets, and the ways that they interact with people's lives and and get on a very finite level and have things work for them. For me to get out of that and get into something that is technically simple, and you know something like as simple as a knife could be, and take it and watch it, um, you know, follow it through its uh, infinite possibilities, has really been fascinating for me. Um, I'm also an, uh, you know, a designer by by trade. So, seeing that kind of stuff at, from an aesthetic point of view, just, you know, it tickles me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just love that. I just love. I I love everything about the, the world of knives at this point. I can't. I cannot forget to give credit to a certain Ukrainian-born friend who started the many many years ago. Started the tradition that men give men knives as gifts. It's not something I had known about before, but it was sometime back in like the early 2000s. He taught me that men give my men give men knives. If you're going to give men a gift, you give them a knife. Yeah, and that was probably where the, that was the true genesis, I guess, because then I had all these knives, even though I hadn't, you know, that the spark hadn't uh, ignited in my, uh, in, you know, in my whatever knife collecting bone. Um, so anyway, but I had to give credit where credit was due because Victor is the the, the true genesis uh, for both of us then because, you know, if, if I got you into it, then his ear, hit, hit, just like John Gray's Victor's ears now, he just he just stood up. He was probably yeah. yelling at his teenager and he just had to stop yeah. mid uh, 
<laughs> Mid-lecture. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I gave out so many now discontinued Kershaws that I wish I had to friends in oh, like yeah. 2012-ish. Like a Kershaw Ram, I gave that to one of my friends, and I regret it so much. Oh, oh that's back. a cruel knife, too. Yeah, I would love that's one. the only yeah. knife I've ever regretted getting rid of. Wow. I, I used to buy five dollar Chinese knives in in by the dozen and give those away for as like party favors. I did that with Kershaw <laughs> Injection 3.0s. They were ten bucks yeah. at a local yeah. knife store, and I just bought a bunch of those for my friends to varying degrees of appreciation. I mean, to Jake's point and and yours, it is a really fun gift to give because it's something that a lot of people who aren't in the hobby, you know, uh, speaking of that, like everyone I work with, you know, you'd think that, you know, people in technology would be a little bit weary about the knife thing. And I I guess it's because they've known me because I've worked for the same company now for almost nine years. They've known me already through a lot of stuff. And if I'm into it, they kind of try and see the benefit of it. And now everyone is just really excited. I just went back to work after a serious uh, ankle injury. And they, everyone's telling me, it's like, oh, have you watched Forged in Fire? You love knives, right? And it's like people I haven't talked to in a very long time. And, and everybody's really curious. I, I'm getting like a different vibe. I think it's just getting out there now. And people are enjoying, you know, the handmade, the handcrafted, the high-end stuff is very in right now. And I think the knives are riding on that wave because if these folks are talking about it and are interested in it, I mean, it, we're, you know, maybe we're on the cusp of something here. Yeah. Also, if you say you have they, a podcast about them, people get a lot more receptive about, you know, this sort of weird hobby. I guess now that we have yeah. two, two episodes, at least this one is being made. Hopefully everything's recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I admit. Uh, People like their knives the way they like their cheeses. Artisanal. <laughs> Damn, that was eloquent. I thought you were gonna say stinky. Yeah, yeah I didn't know where you're going with that. <laughs> old and stinky. No, that's that was our that was our old excuse when people asked us, so why knives? And we just said we, we just we collect all kinds of artisanal stuff. Handmade paintings, handmade knives. And, and usually there's an inappropriate thing. There that is a very third. socially uh, acceptable explanation for liking yeah, knives. Yeah, it's artism. Yeah. And they, they get it too, which is funny because the, the, the knife hobby always gets piled in with the gun hobby. Yeah. But I, they're that too. very, yeah. very different avenues. <laughs> I mean, sure, there's, there's bleed over and, you know, I like guns. And, like, I know at least two of you guys do. But it's not a prerequisite for liking knives. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, in the words of J-Rock from Trail Park Boys, I don't play guns. Um, but no, I've just never been super interested in guns. Like, they're all right. But yeah, knives for me are completely separate. But yeah, there, there is a lot of assumptions about the two, the two hobbies <laughs> being connected. I have to tell you, I get a lot more use out of all of my knives, even this this high polished uh, Wayfarer, than I do out of my 1911. <laughs> yeah, th- this is exactly why I don't own a gun, because <laughs> I right. I have I enjoy knives for that reason that you can actually carry them with you and do something with them. Right. No, I get that, Brian. I mean, do you, a, do you live in a free country, Dave? I forget. Uh, I generally like to restrict myself to the least free parts of the country, aka New England. <laughs> so. <laughs> No, Connecticut has surprisingly um, good knife knife carrying laws. Rhode Island, where I'm from, not so much. Mm. Interesting. But guns now, yeah, no guns here. <laughs> I want to I want to ask Brian where he falls into all of this because I know he's not a knife. You're not a knife collector, you know. You, 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 
there had to be something that sparked the interest in it. And I know you told us last week about how you saw, uh, you know, a bill uh, hand forging stuff, your neighbor and your buddy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's not that I was never into knives. I didn't, first off, I didn't even know there was a custom knife market. I didn't know people mm-hmm. made custom knives. You know, the only knives I ever saw was, you know, whatever you can, whatever you can get at the local, you know, fishing gun store, you know, whatever they had there. That's all I knew about. Most of, most of that is, you know, bench made shit. So, um, it's not that I wasn't, I just never knew it was there until four years ago. Yeah. And what made you decide that that was the thing you wanted to do? Um, getting shit canned from my job and having nothing else to do. Well, I thought maybe you'd have some deeper explanation um, of of this, but if you're looking for deep for me, use, use the term artisanal. Yeah, do it. (laughs) Sneak it in there somehow. Um, no, uh, no, I mean, I always had an interest there when I was, you know, when I was a kid, I used to, sneak knives from my parents you know they didn't want me having knives so you know my grandfather would give me give me uh you know a swiss army knife until i you know would cut myself with it and then my parents would take it away and then i would get something else and you know i always had crap like that but i just never really you know dove into it i was just caught up with other stuff in life i too had my first uh, uh knife accident when i was a kid with a swiss army knife it's kind of funny stabbing it into a tree I think mine was real. It was even dumber than that. I was really young <laughs> and I couldn't get the, the stupid thing open. And uh, I mean, I must've been like 10, maybe 10 or 11. And I went and tried to open the, you know how, like when you first get a, like a Swiss army knife, the, the tension is really strong. Yeah. It's pretty tough. And I went and just tried to loosen it up with my, with my teeth. Oh, that sounds <laughs> terrible. Yeah, it was real. So get this: the thing closes on my bottom lip. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, um, I was not happy. I'm sure I shed some tears, uh, but you know, surprisingly, it didn't do any damage to my lip. I think there was a small cut, but nothing. Uh, that, that's why you have the beard mustache, I bet. Yeah, that's it. It's like tinted windows from my face. I can't see anything, you know. That's usually a funny thing. People laugh when I say my beard is tinted windows oh, from my I face. Thought, I thought Thanks, sure guys. Telling the truth. <laughs> All right, Jesus Christ. Sorry. Anyway, I was on. I was on mute. I was laughing. <laughs> Good I excuse, Jake. I wasn't really on mute. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually funny that you bring up stuff involving childhood with knives because it, it literally couldn't be any farther from my experience with knives. Uh, my parents aren't outdoorsy. Um, I'm not outdoorsy. Uh, I hate camping. Uh, if I you... never said my parents were outdoorsy. Or I don't. I didn't have like grandparents that were let me outdoorsy. Preface, preface this. I didn't have like grandparents that were outdoorsy or anything. Uh, sure. They were too busy. Well, I guess they were outdoorsy because they were buried under the ground because they were dead. But uh... <laughs> so I mean, they were outdoorsy in a sense. But you know, like my dad's a Jew from Brooklyn. My mom is an Italian immigrant from Brooklyn. So not exactly uh, the kind of people who really you know pass down knives to their kids. But uh, I think for me, what started it was in elementary school. My sister recommended me these series of children's books about these anthropomorphized rodents that <laughs> it was sort of medieval times. It's called Redwall. Uh, some other 90s babies might be familiar with the Redwall book I'm going to Google this right now. Yeah, Go. shout out to Brian Jakes, the author. He died. Uh, but basically, they were like... What is with all the death in you today? Well, it's, anyway, continue. It's a morbid day for me. Uh, wait, wait. I can't, I'm still can't get over the 90s babies. Yeah. 
I was born in 91. You're old, boy. Holy fuck, I was already out of high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got, we, got a nice, we got a nice age span here. So Holy shit. Yeah, so those books, like, you know, there were swords and shit, and I just really wanted a sword in elementary school. And I, that's just kind of what started it. But the first knife I got was in middle school. Uh, my next-door neighbors had gone to... I went with them to this place in New Hampshire. It was some boardwalk, and I got this super shitty M-Tech knife that I think I still have somewhere broken in my parents' like backyard. And that, sure. that I just loved that thing. And uh, then there was many years of a gap until high school where I bought another M-Tech. It was a DDR uh, Mad Max ripoff at the time I had no nice. idea. And it got confiscated by the police when I was trespassing with some of my friends and uh, almost got arrested. So that was a fun story. <laughs> And then what really started like on the actual path to knives, uh, my freshman year of college, my roommate found a CRKT M16 on the ground mm. uh, on campus, and I traded a pair of sunglasses for it, and I was just hooked after that. Um, you traded an M16 for a, for a pair of sunglasses? For a pair of like $8 sunglasses, correct. So I mean, you could look look all goth and metal at the same time? He had, he had no use for the, the knife, so I traded him the sunglasses, I got the knife. Uh, nice and uh, yeah and then from there I joined Blade Forums and I uh, I fuck with the internet quite a bit so uh, having a forum to read was just that's when it ended I just went nuts after that I, every dollar I got I spent on knives my parents had me house sit for them once in college and they gave me like 80 bucks for food I immediately spent it all on a Kershaw leak in Damascus and uh, Ooh, that's, that, that explains all of it huh yeah <laughs> Yep. Don't spend it all in one place, son. <laughs> I did. And then uh, I don't know what I ate for that like week, but I was really happy with that Kershaw leak. And, you know, that's where it's been from, from there. And now I'm just helplessly obsessed. Check the forums every day. Check every retailer like every day. I have, to, I have to say I echo the idea of not having very outdoorsy parents or grandparents for that matter. I, I have to say I think it must have been like my – I mean, I, like any kid, early 90s growing up, I was probably into – Dude, listen. I was born in '84. I'm 33 <laughs> years old. So I say that I'm I say that I'm only 49 uh, millennial. <laughs> anyway, uh, but it started with love of superheroes and things like that. The X Men comics were really big. They started getting huge in the early '90s, and like Wolverine was a was a you know had claws and had a sword, and I thought that was freaking cool. Yep. And, yep. It know, was the swords so- that made me. And then I got a sword finally, and I was like. What am I gonna do with this? And then sold it <laughs> immediately. I I still have a couple like decorative swords somewhere. Nothing, uh, nothing like I don't know if you guys have ever seen on YouTube. Do you get what, uh, Jake? You know what I'm about to bring up, right? I do. Oh my god, the fat swordsman on on YouTube. He's the best. Oh, oh my, my god. god, I think I know who you're talking about. I've probably sent you links, Brian. But it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It is this dude who is I don't know. He he weighs several hundreds of pounds, and he throws around these 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 costume cosplay swords and cuts bottles in like his backyard in New Jersey, and it drives me insane with laughter. Why do you have to go the New Jersey route? Well, that's where he's from. Yeah, it's Brian. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Brian. <laughs> Brian's actually five, he's actually five hundred pounds. <laughs> this is why it's a podcast, even... not a video chat. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god! If you guys have not seen, it, what is his name? Is uh, what's his Will YouTube? Keith. Yeah, his name. Uh, his name is Will Keith. But what's his? His I'll put. We'll put the link in. Yeah, the I was gonna say we'll put it in the show notes. Oh my god! Just go through. He's been doing it for many years, and it's just absolutely hysterical. Oh my god! 
Yeah, the, uh, he, oh. he's like the antithesis of of everything we like about knives. It is it is perfect. Frequently, there's a disclaimer like uh, the knife that I'm reviewing today, or the sword I'm reviewing today. Sorry, let me do that one more time. The surd I'm reviewing today. Yeah, he calls it the surd. He the has surd, a speech impediment. He he has his own Daniel. He was on Daniel Tosh, uh, you know Web Redemption, and Tosh asked him where his accent came from, and he said, "It's mine. I made it up." <clears throat> anyway, so. Frequently, he'll have to say, "The sir that I'm reviewing today uh, is, is it might come apart. It's so dang, it's so ch- cheaply made. It's so dangerous that it might come apart. So I can't have a cameraman today because I didn't want him to get sliced in half by this he, total he piece of crap." It. He wrapped it in hockey tape. He didn't yeah. trust the pommel. <laughs> it's always funny, and it's definitely worth uh, worth oh, looking at. God, looking I, at a couple. I, I of... wish we could get him on the podcast. Yeah, we can I'm not far get away. Him. He is I would lose. Away. I would lose my shit. We can one hundred percent get him. I'm gonna kick you off the show, and we're gonna get Will Keith in your stead. Yeah, because there's only one New Jersey in at a time. I'm, I'm good with show. that. I'm all right with that. <laughs> Guys, we have so much cachet. We're one episode in. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Ryan High. Oh my gosh, that 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 escalated quickly. Yeah. One thing I was thinking about with this, because I did not have nearly as eloquent an answer as you, Levon or Jake. Um, was that knives for me justifying why I like knives is very similar to justifying why I like metal, and I think we have at least three metalheads here, because uh, mm. it is something. Brian's that... definitely metalhead too. Oh, good, all of us. Yeah, uh, great. So yeah, but I was a, I was around when it first started though. It's <laughs> a good point. I, back in my day, metal was just a material. Yeah, I was three years old when Slaughter <laughs> the Soul came out. So, but anyway, um, yeah, it's another thing where it's sort of unpopular. It's a niche, a niche mm-hmm. interest, and. I struggle with that, but I find that knives like metal. I just when I when I first heard I don't know what was this, I don't even know what got me into metal. Progenies of the Great Apocalypse by Demi Borgir. Uh, God, you're young. Yeah, 2001. Uh, I just heard Jeez. that and I was like, yes, this this is it. And that's kind of the same thing with knives. It's just like I hold it and I'm just like, I enjoy. They both this. make me want to stab something. There we go. That's exactly the kind of of stigma we're trying not to imply with knives. Uh, yeah, well, too late it because the biggest exposure to knives ever, aka that mass drop advertisement on the Bro Science video, is all about like stabbing people. So we're fucked. Is it, oh. Mass drop yeah, just no. shot themselves in the foot with that. I just I was speaking of of metal. I was listening to um, the to Carcass yesterday. One of my favorite death yes. metal bands of all time. I've been listening to Heartwork uh, a lot lately. Okay, so I was listening to their their 2013 comeback album, Surgical Steel. Yep, great. So the the name is just it just pulled at my heartstrings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a song on there, and they have like a horror theme to most of their music, and the track six is called Noncompliance to the eight ASTM F eight nine nine one two standard, which uh, is uh, and they also have a, a song on here called 316L Grade Surgical Steel. Yep. So I just I was just like, oh, that's so nice. I, I I take a different meaning to all of that than I normally would. And this this should be cut out. This should just not be in this podcast. Nah. But, hey, I think it, it colors our worldview, which is this, what but this I was, is about. I was listening, yeah, and I was listening to it on the way home yesterday. It's like, oh wow, that's kind of knifey. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the two have always been related, you know. It's true. Power metal guys have been posing with swords for like thirty years now, so. Hence our first uh, our first uh, cover for our for the episode uh, the last time was was an immortal album cover. 
Are you really going to do that every time? I really want to, yeah, but you got to take a damn picture of yourself. And I mean your face. Yeah. <laughs> We've already seen the rest of it in the YouTube videos of you of you cutting things with your surds. Surds. Yeah, so just everybody so the idea is that I, I would like to do uh, an album cover Photoshop, a metal album f- cover Photoshop for each of these episodes. So yeah, get me your pictures. And if you if anyone out there has any suggestions for album covers, email them to uh knife nuts podcast at gmail.com and I'll see if I can get the four of us photoshopped into all of those and then you guys will get a shout out or something in the in the description. I am I'm excited for that. Absolutely. So what else have you got? Uh we could you know, if you want to get into the wing ding of the week, if we want to transition out of the main topic. Go for it. I don't think anyone but you or I knows what the wing ding of the week is. Right. So it'll be news to these guys too. Sure. So uh, it's a little segment I like to introduce called Wingding of the Week, where I identify something I find particularly reprehensible in the knife community uh, each episode. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about custom knife maker Chris Williams, and he's going to be Wingding of the Week. So I should mention that this is not the uh, Wilmont Grinders Chris Williams. He's great. So no, no relation. So Chris Williams is a knife maker from, I believe, Johns Island, South Carolina. And he got, oh. he got kind of prominent <laughs> locally um, as a custom knife maker who made fixed blades, like nice sort of ornate fixed blades and kitchen knives. He got, he got famous locally. They wrote an article about him, uh, and he was most known for this oyster knife that he made. And uh, for non-East Coast people, uh, oyster knives are like daggers. They actually look very weapony, but uh, yeah, they're like short, stubby, chode daggers. So he got, he got real. I guess he got real popular in South Carolina because he got like a few local like business uh, journal articles about him, and eventually he, someone pointed this out on Blade Forums, and it was figured out almost immediately that they were blanks. He was taking pre-cut blanks that were pre-ground and just putting handles on them. And oh. the Blade Forums thread is incredible because he joins in and he starts threatening people with lawsuits, and it just turned into a complete shit show. Uh, and uh, so he disappeared for a while, and now he has this very fancy, very well-made website that is exactly what you'd expect from someone like this. And his latest venture is rebranding Gonzo Knives. So these are $15 Chinese knives. That's a stolen design from Mike Snowdy. I think it was the HK14205. Oh, yep. And he's yeah, selling them for $150. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> what a dingus. It's incredible. Like people, what a wing ding. Are, people yeah. are gonna spot this shit like immediately. I don't know how you could. I don't know. This man lives no, on his I'm, own yeah, planet. You say so, that, but I'm sure someone is spending 150 dollars on this. Yeah, show. right. He's not selling to anybody in the knife world. He's selling to all his customers are outside of the knife realm. They don't know anybody or that they're gonna talk to about this. You yeah, know, that's a good point. <coughs> Jared West. <coughs> no, Jared West only sells to the most elite of operators. Yes. That's why they have recently declassified security systems at their uh, Texas factory. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So, wait. what? Doesn't this guy have an Instagram, too? Yeah, he does. It's Chris Chris Williams Co., I think, is his Instagram. You can find him on Instagram. He'll ban you if you say anything. Uh, But you you can see (laughs) him with his... With All his... the best ones always do. Yes. So, is... <laughs> so basically, you could go on there and say something to him, and you'll get blocked immediately. Yes, correct. Let's try and see how many people we can get blocked from his Instagram. So usually I don't like these crusade things, but this one is so obvious it's and fun. so egregious that, like, come on. 
Yeah, that's that's just ridiculous. So I, at first I was like, is this the same? I couldn't I couldn't tell if we were talking about the same guy. So he was buying purchase. He was buying pre-ground blanks. So it was a knife when he got it and just throwing a handle on it. Yeah, and selling him for like eight hundred bucks. And then he, and then he graduated to just rebranding a Chinese knockoff. Correct. Wow. Yeah, he got real lucky because the access lock is no longer under patent, so you can use the access lock. And you you may argue that the Ganzo knife has really made it when an American knife maker knocked yeah. off the design oh my God. and execution. And just it was a knockoff them. of a knockoff. It's a knockoff of a knockoff. It's a knockoff inception. Back in the States yes. with an American name, uh, you know, whatever. Guys, we've, on it. we've reached the knife singularity. We have yeah. come full circle. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Don't yeah. ever say that this podcast hasn't brought you the real nitty gritty of the knife community. Guys, I have a great idea. I'm going to post an Instagram uh, advertisement of this show using the blade from the knife that I said got me into collecting knives. Oh, that's a oh. nice touch. Oh, isn't that a nice touch? I it just is happened, a nice. happened to have one here in pieces. In pieces? Yeah. Oh, and I cut myself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, oh, Levo, what what happened with your buddy with that he lost ten thousand followers? And I, no, I don't. I hate to even mention mention his name, you know. But uh, did you see that deal? I was like, this is how not a buddy. The, I didn't even realize who the hell you were talking about at first until you said ten thousand. Yeah, I have no idea who this is. So Jim Skelton posted a thing on Instagram Ooh. today. Ooh, yes. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if we were going to get into this. Oh, I you know I, we don't have to. I just I don't. I, I, don't, I don't, don't have a problem. With. I don't have a problem with him at all. And um, he posts a lot of crazy shit. But something about losing ten thousand followers overnight on YouTube. Yeah. Well, this is this is the problem. Don't ever take the moral high ground ever. It's just so much easier. Just don't ever take the moral high ground because you're going to end up with your foot so far in your mouth it's coming out of your ass. And that is exactly what happened here. Uh, he came down. He. The guy has the transcripts of all of it, so it's not even really allegedly here, and it's all on video on YouTube. There's this channel, some, you know, guy in his 60s, he made some videos about clone knives, like clone microtechs and stuff, you know. Obviously not something people necessarily want to explicitly support, but it's YouTube, you can post whatever the fuck you want. And he basically mm -hmm. threatened him, saying, like, you know, if you don't take these video down, videos down within two weeks, I'm going to squash your channel. And uh, <laughs> things that will get your YouTube account pulled, which is why it was really dumb on Jim's part. And I did not know about the 10,000 subscriber loss, but I guess I'm not surprised. So <laughs> rewind. I'm still kind of lost. So there's a guy on YouTube that's not Jim Skelton. Yeah, his name is Love Them Never Knives, L-U-V. Jim, uh, Jim was trying to play Internet Police, and correct. he's taken in a rumpus for it. Yeah, this is why you don't take the moral taking high ground. In, in the rumpus. Anyway. <laughs> that's that's interesting so you know i kind of i can ag actually agree with that you know I, I i'm not a big fan of the the clone knives and things like that but but i agree you know that you can put whatever the hell you want on youtube just just ignore it right yeah i mean like because this is a problem you know uh some guy apparently two thousand years ago said something about uh he who was without sin let him cast the first stone or whatever i don't know my bible so and the first bible verse yeah, comes from the only Jewish member of this. Yeah, pod. so that phrase has been around for like two thousand years, and nobody has learned a fucking thing from it. Because anytime you try and call people out for this shit, you're always gonna be found out to be a hypocrite. Like obviously, Jim Skelton 
is supports Anthony Marfione, and then you can make alleged comments about alleged knife theft there. So, like, it's just don't don't be the internet police. Is what it comes down to. So, if there was no internet police, then you would be out of this podcast entirely. Yes, Dave. probably. Mm, mm, I see. And on that note. <laughs> Is this a good time to to close things? Does anyone else have anything they'd like to end? Add. I'll I'll take the silence as a no. We're just ignoring you. So I would like to talk about. I'm not. I was I wasn't ignoring. I'm I'm writing a description for my uh, Instagram post promoting our podcast. Well, that's just lovely. So I'm checked can, out for a moment. You continue <laughs> to do that, and I'm going to talk about KnifeNuts.net. So we're actually uh, launching uh, our own website. Um, with bios for all of us, um, some links to oh. some news stuff that we've been talking about on, on the podcast. Um, our, the podcast itself will be hosted through there, so we won't have to use SoundCloud or anything like that going forward. Um, awesome. Soon, that will have an official launch shortly. Um, I mean, in my world, there's not really much of a point to have a website anymore, but I feel like this is a nice, you know, ground zero there, for, for everything that we're doing. There really is because we need a place for merch because I know someone who can make us T-shirts in the comfort of my own home. Oh, yeah, we're monetizing big time. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man. The, the, I know the, the decals will be out shortly. Yes, decals, I'm- shirts. Um Bobbleheads, yes, bobbleheads, water, and yet, waterproof and yet none for of your bastards would be at Blade. Oh yeah, yet, that's, there's yet. that. Mm. I already, I already explained to you. I've been out of work for a year. There's no way I'm getting the time off. I'm going to be able to get the time off to go to Blade. Yeah, it's I make not like, gonna I make like zero dollars a year. So count me out. <laughs> He spent it all on all that right. Damascus leak. I did. No, but <laughs> speaking of nice shows, uh, we'll have a man in the field next Saturday at the New England Cutlery Collectors Association knife meeting or knife show. It's a very small knife show in New England. So if anyone's around, I'll be there. You can probably figure out who I am pretty easily. Uh, but yeah, it's in Mystic, Connecticut or in Groton, Connecticut. And it is next Saturday and Sunday. So I encourage people to go. It's a very small show. It's kind of like a AARP convention. Um, a bunch of old dudes with even older knives just sitting around. Uh, but you know, you can you can handle some pretty cool customs. I uh, remember that. Remember that Randall I used to have. Yeah, that's very much what it's like. It's like look at this look at this slip joint from 1917. I uh, cut my lip off with this one. Yeah, but uh, Paul Farina, who is like a big time knife dealer, um, he is usually there with some ridiculously expensive customs. So you can see some kind of cool shit, uh, like full custom Todd bags. I got to handle one, uh, Jerry McGinnis and stuff. You know, a Tim Galleon custom. That thing was dope. Oh wow, that's really mm. cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So I encourage people to go if they're in the New England area. It's a fun time. And and Brian, of course, you'll be at Blade. Yes. So you will be the sole representative of the Knife Nuts podcast at Blade Show. Congratulations. Yep. Well, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to be beating people away with a stick. Maybe someone. Maybe you'll get to uh, have a fracas with someone. Yes. I'll go God, as a I hope not. I'll, I'll go really as a plan. Your Jay Davis is only is only a few weeks away. Yep. Oh, on that note, that. <laughs> on that note, everyone, thank you so much for enjoying. 
the last podcast that we posted. I, I can't thank you guys enough for the for the feedback and all the kind words that you guys have been giving us. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this one. Thank you very much. Um, you can contact us. My name on Instagram and pretty much everywhere else is Metalevon. Uh, Dave, you have your YouTube channel, and uh, I ain't got shit. I'm not finna catch a case here, so you can't find me anywhere. And Dave's not my real name. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is underscore misanthropia on on Instagram. Jake, your whiskey pickle, Jake on Instagram, and and other. I think you're the same on Blade forums and stuff like that. And of course, we have Brian, Mister Sharp by Design himself. So you can find him on his website, and you can have get in contact with him on Instagram as, as well. Uh, thank you, everyone. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. See Take you guys. Care.